Good morning. Welcome to the, the open door. We're so glad to have you here this morning. We get an opportunity to uh, worship the Lord together and just allow him to uh, ignite our heart and give us uh, his immeasurable peace and joy. I hope you uh, came this morning expecting to hear from the Lord, not to hear from me. Amen. So I can leave, right? No. <laughs> Uh, and and just being excited about what God is doing uh, uh, in our lives, what he's doing here at the Open Door and in our community, because we serve a good God, amen? I love the uh, song uh, that we just sung, I, I Love Jesus. Isn't everybody in here that loves Jesus? And man, is so thankful for all that he's done and how good he is to us. And so today I just want to spend a little bit of time and talk about uh, that idea of love and and what's it all about, uh, and what it means. Uh, and so our title of our message today is Love Made Beautiful. Uh, Love Made Beautiful. Uh, and so uh, we know in a few days that we're going to uh, have a, a holiday called Valentine's. You know, sometimes I think they just make holidays up just to get us in the stores. But I'm uh, so thankful for this uh, holiday of reminding us uh, to love one another. To love God and to love our neighbor. God, Jesus gave us those two commandments. He said, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. And the second is like unto the first, to love thy neighbor. And so I hope, hopefully this will be a uh, blessing to you. I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about love, love, love. So uh, make sure you, uh, you, you, uh, you're able to digest it. Uh, whether you are a, a teen, whether you are got a little gray hairs, love is available for all of us. Amen. Uh, so one of the most enabling characteristics of our Christian faith is the ability to love others. As God and Christ loves us and demonstrates their love for us. You know that God demonstrates his love for us each and every day. He did it that on that faithful day when he sent Jesus Christ into the world. And we even see it when we think about that favorite scripture of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his very best because he loved us. And so I just want to, uh, if you have your Bibles, to look at a portion uh, in scripture, and this is in a book that's... Uh, we kind of call it the love chapter. We found in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse 12 and 13 are the ones we're going to look at closely. Uh, 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 12 and 13. Love made beautiful. And so just to give you a little bit of backdrop while you're turning, uh, we know that Paul wrote the book of Corinthians because the church of Corinth was going through some strife, they were uh, uh, dealing with some sin, and they had some things going on within their church that Paul wanted to clear up. And wanted, he wanted to spend some time and talk about the importance of loving others, loving one another. Uh, and so as he was walking through that chapter, he started explaining what love is and what love is not. You know, he started saying things like love is, is uh, patient. Love is truth. Love is kind. He even started saying, but love is not 
uh, uh, impatient. That love is not uh, using our neighbor. And so he went on to talk about that. But then he, when he got to the end of the chapter, uh, he, he, he said this at the last two verses in 12 and 13. He says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now about if faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity, is love. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word today. Lord, we ask you to just speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to see your engrafted word, to understand it, and to live by, by it. Father, we thank you so much for being so good to us and for loving us with an undying love. Lord, we thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. So Paul spends more time and he's, he, he, he comes to these verses and he says, you know, even as much as we know about God's love, as much as we've sensed his love and his uh, mercy and grace for us, we still look through a glass darkly. We still know in part. But there's a time coming when we'll fully, fully know all of his immeasurable, agape, unconditional love for us. And that we'll truly understand the gift that we had, have in Christ and the ability to love one another uh, here on this earth. And he says, and if you're trying to put them all together, if you, if you talk about faith and hope and charity, he says the greatest. And we've had a lot of great faithful people. We can look in the book of Hebrews 11 chapter that talks about the faith of Abraham and the faith of the disciples of old and how their faith caused them to do many great things. And then we can also look at hope that we have in, in Christ and hope that we have uh, in God's divine plan, and how we are the hope of his calling, and that can give us encouragement and give us strength to carry on. But there's something about God's love that's imparted to us that is greater than any of that other stuff. And that when we imagine just the opportunity that we've had in the past to love, anybody ever here been in love? If over here, y'all need to say no, okay? <laughs> and, we, and we have that excitement, but over here, maybe we kind of know a little bit about what being in love. Amen. <laughs> and so the butterflies start bubbling around, and maybe there are some of us in here that's got some, what I call some seasoned love, right? It's been around for a while. It's been able to marinate like, like some... Some meat when you put seasoning on it, and you just let it just marinate, and it's really, really juicy. And so God wants to explain to us this wonderful thing that we have. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to be clear about there's four unique forms of love found in the Bible. And so they are communicated through four Greek words that I want to share with you today. Uh, and one of them we see is eros. And one that we see is storgia. And one is pronounced phileo. And when we think about that phileo love. And then the one that we're most familiar with is agape love. 
Well, when we explore these types of love characterized, the one that we kind of, when we sense the bubbling uh, in the butterflies, that romantic love, that's the eros love. And the Greek word essentially means romantic love. We have that romantic feeling. But there's also the family love that we have for our family and close friends, the storge, love for our children, love for our parents, love for others. And then there's the brotherly love, the philuhu love. This is the type of the intimate love that the Bible talks about between brothers and sisters in Christ. And then there's the God's divine love, the agape love. Is the highest of the four types of love in the Bible. See, agape love is perfect, it's unconditional, it's sacrificial, and it's pure. And it's the type of love that God wants us to allow to flow in and through us because, you see, it's love that grows. It's love that chooses to serve him and not the world. It's a love that's actionable, that we take action. And we care for one another. We reach out towards one another. But acting out in love can seem very daunting at times. Would you agree? To love on somebody when they're not loving back, when they seem to be despitefully using you. So we ask the question, why? Why would someone do that? Because the fullness of agape love is unconditional love that still manages to break through all of the, the junk of this world, all of the brokenness, and allows to see the growing power of God, the actual power of God in and through us. And so I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, uh, wedded bliss and marriage a little bit. And so whatever situation you're in, whether you're pre-marriage, during marriage or post, uh, I think God wants to share some things with us. I think God wants to remind us of some things because we can love immeasurably those around us. And so first and foremost, I, I need to share a couple of coins with you, a coin statement. Solomon said this in Song of Solomon's chapter 8, verse 7, he said, Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. David said, love covers all transgressions. In other words, there's a forgiveness that comes with love. Paul reminds us that love is the fulfillment of the law, that love allows the commandments of God to be satisfied, to be met. And so as we look at this image that God has given us, when we think about the greatest image of love, in our humanity, it's a love between a man and a woman, a love in holy matrimony, a love that's made beautiful by us being the image of God the Father. And so before we do that, let's, 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 let's dispel some myths and some visions a little bit that we may have here. Anybody remember Ken and Barbie? So Ken and Barbie, Ken, uh, Barbie came around in 1959 and Ken a few years later in 1961. And I remember how little, mostly little girls would get the Ken and Barbie dolls and they would just uh, play 
this wedding ceremony and how they were going to live in wedded bliss and just be so loving and doting toward on each other for the rest of their life. So they had this vision of that, that day when they would walk up the altar and they would have their white, beautiful gown on and they would marry their kin. See, I was my wife's kin, mom. <laughs> So we have that vi- we have these visions in our mind, but so often reality doesn't match up with our vision. And so the reality of it is, is that Barbie's 61 now, and Ken's 59. So although we still try to do the blonde hair and and uh, and silky skin, it's more like gray hair and uh, a little wrinkly there, right? But God wants us to know it's not what's on the outside. It's truly what's on the inside. And if we have the right perspective, if we have the right vision for love, it can be beautiful. Now, I know there's been some hurts in here. Maybe there's been some hurts uh, from divorce and separation. And maybe there's been some hurts from the loss of, of your loved one. But God wants you to know that it's not over. That his love is immeasurable. That he surrounds you with his unconditional love. And just as those moments that you had before, God says, don't think that's all there is. That there's much, much more of his love for you. So let's talk about a little bit of the reality of marriage. See, without God's supernatural divine intervention and inner working and our relationships, we can become disillusioned and distrusting, distrustful of the person and the process for love to to be made beautiful. Now, see, I said some things that I said person and process, but maybe in your mind it went to the one that might be sitting next to you. That's not what, what God wants us to know. See, our disillusionment, our distrustfulness is not in the person next to us. It's the person of God. And it's the plan that God has for us. So often, if we're not careful, we can leap that on our spouse when truly what we're saying is, God, I'm not trusting you. God, I'm disillusioned in your plan. Because maybe we held on to the Barbie and Ken plan so much that it's hard for us to really understand God's plan. And so often, if we're not careful, we can lean on the Barbie plan and miss the God plan. It's so important that we understand God's plan. If you have your Bibles, also turn with me to 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8. Here's what 1 John 4, 7 and 8 said. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. See, he's saying some things to us. He's saying, let us love one another. Because this demonstrates our love for God and that God's love is in us. And then he goes on and says, because God is love. It's the very essence of who he is. 
So we cannot love, say we love God if we don't love our neighbor, if we don't love our spouse. Because God is agape love, unconditional, sacrificial, patient, long-suffering love. So let me, tell, let me show you how this all came about. Turn with me to Genesis, the fifth chapter. See, God's original blueprint, we see this in Genesis, the fifth chapter, verse 1 and 2, and that his still original blueprint is good today. Genesis 5, verse 1 and 2, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him, male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam. Y'all see that? Called their name. So ladies, your name is Adam. Guys, your name is Adam. In the day when they were created. See, the original match was simple and clear. One man with one woman joined together in a permanent union for life. Mankind was perfect and innocent, made in the likeness of God. God's likeness was fused into two human beings, and sin was not present yet. Nor was there carnal nature within human life. Now, maybe some of you ladies will say, well, I wish my husband still didn't have that carnal nature today. Anybody? <laughs> In the beginning days, there was absolute perfection, sinlessness. God made love beautiful in marriage. So now we just think back to the scripture that we saw in, in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 13. We look through a glass darkly. Why is the glass dark? See, it used to be very clear. When God created, he created it very clear, very holy, with love one for another. Continue on Genesis 5, verse 3. It says this, And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness and after his image and called his name Seth. See, notice the difference. Adam was originally created in God's image, but Seth was in Adam's likeness. And after, according to Adam's image, as fallen and an imperfect man. Sin had invaded God's perfect design for marriage and mankind. Within the invasion of sin came all its horrible consequences, the beginning of strife, internal and external. See, the strife began on the inside of us first. Conflicts, conflict was, harmony was replaced with conflict. War was replaced, peace was replaced with war. Being unashamed in the garden was replaced with lust of the eye in the desert. Just think about that. They were naked and unashamed. 
Everything was revealed. Everything was made clear. And they had nothing to be ashamed about. And unlike the original match, man and woman became selfish, demanding, angry, spiteful, and competitive. So where the ability to love was the very makeup and identity of Adam and Eve, because of being made in the image of God and because God is love, his plan for marriage was perfect in every way. But when sin entered the world, for all of the rest of us, because of our fallen nature, it is a continual going, growing process that can only be achieved by our willingness to follow after God and to walk in his love while sacrificing ourselves for others. That's how we get there. See, let me share with you Melissa and I's story. You don't mind if I share that. Her, her eyes went big. <laughs> so Melissa and I met. Uh, at, we actually were going to the same church, and uh, but I didn't meet her at that same church. I met her at the mall. I saw her. I stood there. My eyes was open. I couldn't. I was in the parking lot. I was standing still, and then she drove by and said, "Don't I know you?" And uh, trying to win her favor, I said, "I'm not sure, but I like to get to know you." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so she, uh, we continued at church together. We uh, started dating. Uh, and then, then about nine months later from the time we started uh, dating, we were married. And so I was in Korea. I was heading, I was already in Korea and came back, got married, brought her to Korea, and the butterflies were, were popping. We were all in love with each other. Uh, and I dropped her off at the house, and I was immediately in command of a unit in Korea. So I was gone all the time. And she just sat there. I took her 7,000 miles away from her family, and she was in a little two-bedroom apartment all by herself. And so after a few months, you know, my expectation changed from, you know, just wanting to love on her and sacrifice on her for, to wanting her to take care of me and, and do things for me. And I, and I saw that we started having a little bit of friction. And I started thinking, wait a minute, what's happening? This is the love of my life. Why are we having friction? And it's because we, we, we took our eyes off for a little bit off of God's plan, off of his miserable, measurable sacrifice for us. And so before we know it, we were having a rough patch. And then we started seeking God and seeking his plan and his love for us. And before you know it, it started turning around really quickly. And God started, as he was loving on us, we were able to love on each other. And I will tell you, after 22 years, it's better than it's ever been. I'm so thankful that God gave me uh, Melissa. Uh, to, to, to love on. And I'm so glad God gave her me so she could love on me. So let's look at verse 2 a little bit. Verse 12 and 1 Corinthians 13. A little bit closer. It says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. See, we don't see it all. So God is saying, in the absence of us seeing it all, let's be long-suffering towards one another. Let's be forgiving to 
towards one another. We don't know it all. He went on to say, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. There are some things that we miss. Someone said to me, they said, if, one of, if both of you all were perfect, one of you all wouldn't be needed. So we need one another. We stand with one another. And so I want to share three keys that I think will help as you're preparing for that wedded bliss as you're in that holy matrimony, and even if you may be on the other side of it, waiting for all that God has for you, that we would meditate on these three key aspects. God wants us to honor our mate. God wants us to enjoy the journey with our mate. And God wants us to prioritize, to put our mate of the high importance. God first, our mate second. So let me talk about honor a little bit. First Peter 3, 7 says this, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. When we look, think about that word honored, it means to show high respect, to show esteem and privilege towards your mate. See, that scripture does not tell us that our wife is, or our spouse is weak in the sense of, of not knowing something or uh, not uh, having the astuteness as us. It's, it's simply talking about how God created and shaped each of us. The reality of it is, is that man, in most cases, is physically stronger than woman. That's just the way God made it. Okay? Not in every case. My wife, sometimes, when we wrestle, she kind of takes me to the carpet. But in some cases. Okay? But it also, God showed me that there is a compassion inside of my wife that I don't initially have. There's a nurturing that goes deeper than the nurturing that I have. And so that lends to a certain level of vulnerability. It's so important for me to honor that and appreciate that because she can love on our boys in a certain way that I can't. And so I'm never to, to abuse that or take advantage of that, but understand that that was God-given, God-breathed, and I need to make sure I'm honoring and I'm loving on them. See, honor decides. We make a decision to esteem each other as valuable. So God says, let us honor one another. Showing honor for each other is vital. Why? Because your spouse is personally autographed by God. Do you know that? See, the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God took time with each and every one of us. That he took time with our spouse. And he personally autographed our spouse. And so there was a time when I was grumbling uh, about some things that my wife was doing. And I felt the Lord go. He said, why are you grumbling? He said, I'm not upset with her. So why are you? She's the apple of my eye. And so I, and when that happened, I had to take a step back. 
and say, okay, Lord, she first belongs to you, not me. I've been honored to be, and have the privilege to be called her husband, to be united with her in oneness. It's so important that we hold on to that. See, the institution of marriage should be held in high esteem. We should be encouraged to invest in our spouse, to not run each other down, to not uh, make fun of each other, not to criticize each other, but to lift each other up. See, Proverbs 17 tells us this, be careful to not injure each other. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Crushed spirit. But when we lift each other up, there's a beauty that comes upon us. There was this lady who had, hadn't seen a friend who went to high school with him. And she hadn't seen that friend in 20 years. And then she met that friend at a at a at a school reunion after 20 years, and upon looking at her girlfriend, she says, you have a good husband. I can tell that he loves you because her spirit was uplifted, her countenance, how she carried herself, demonstrated that her husband had been honoring her esteeming her, lifting her up, and not tearing her down. So God encourages us to honor one another as autographed children of him. He also encourages us to enjoy the time that we have with, you, with one another because the time is fleeting. The Bible says we're like a puff of smoke. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. As much as I love my wife and I want to spend a hundred years with her, I'm probably not going to get it. It's going to be fleeting. We want to treasure every moment. We want to enjoy it and not waste a moment. Stop fretting over small things and enjoy the life that we have with one another. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 9 says this. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity, for that is thy portion in this life and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. So Solomon's writing this. You know, Solomon was a guy that hey, he was up one day and down the next. And so he said, Love, live joyfully with the life, with the wife whom thou lovest. See, vanity simply means meaningless. But there's a lot of meaningless things in this world if we're not careful. So we don't want to waste time in that meaningless stuff. You are called to enjoy life. God has given us joy through our spouse. Our mates are a gift from God so that we can better go through this world together. Lifting one another up. 
So find some precious moments. Live life. Pursue joy with your mate. Decide not to waste it. Yes, first, the joy of the Lord is our strength. See, Jesus knew this to be true. As each of our bridegroom, Jesus is our bridegroom, who believes as we believe in him, he said, for the joy that was set before me, he endured the cross. His joy is us. And he endured suffering and pain for each and every one of us. And so God is, and I'm not telling you you're going to have suffering and pain in your marriage. There might be a few days that you feel like that. But be willing to endure for one another. Because the joy that was set before, not only Jesus Christ, but my, our mate, God set them before us to give us joy. So find those precious moments. Live life and pursue joy with your mate. Decide not to waste it. And do as Hebrews 12, 2 reminds us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And don't forget to prioritize. There's so much that's going on in this world, so many things that can take us away from giving, being attentive to our mate. See, Genesis 2, verse 23 through 25 talks about a leaving and cleaving. That we are to leave our mother and father and we are to cleave unto our spouse. There is a leaving principle to address here. Meaning to make a decision to walk away from others. And put our mate as priority. There's also a cleaving principle, which means to draw near, to communicate and cultivate with our spouse. To love on them, to allow that affection to grow. See, that leaving and the, and the cleaving is the process that God has created to bring us to oneness. Because we come from two different backgrounds, two different ways of understanding, and as we leave, the priorities of our former life and cleave with the priorities of God for our present life. There's a oneness that occurs. There's a oneness that grows. This does not instantly happen the day we say I do. We must be intentional about the application of God's plan. Prioritize your marriage in the home. See, our kids have a front row seat to our marriage. Prioritizing marriage in the home paints a beautiful picture of marriage as the eternal gift God planned it to be. Again, in verse 25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. See, the blessings of this nakedness means there's nothing hidden. There's nothing in the closet. And there's nothing to be ashamed about. No regrets. 
that there should be nothing between you and your spouse. There are some past things that may be some past hurts. There are some things that we may have done. And we must love on each other and be long-suffering towards each other and be forgiving towards one another. But we don't keep things hidden in the closet. We bring them to light. And we allow God to just grow and, 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 and grow us into that oneness that he calls us to be. See, this frees us up to love God and to love one another. So I just want to end with this. Paul writes in Galatians, the third chapter, verse 13 through 14. He says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. See, we put it on. No matter how much it hurts, God's unconditional agape love. We allow him to work in and through us. The healers of all sorrow and of all pain. And allow his love to flow through us so that it can be beautiful for us and for others. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. doesn't mean that there's not going to be without some work because we've had to work a little bit on some things, right? But the results are more beautiful than you can ever imagine. See, this is what God did for us through Christ. He forbeared. He was long-suffering. He forgave. He's forgiving. And he put on his love. He is love. He didn't have to put it on. He demonstrated it through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And he's asking us to do the same. To let it be beautiful in our life. Let it be beautiful around us. Let someone experience that radicalness of love, because love is uncommon in this world. So it's radical. When people see it, they don't initially understand it, but they want it more than anything else. And we have an opportunity that's been given to us by God to share it with somebody. So be willing to share it. And I guarantee you, God will transform your life and the life around you. And he'll make it beautiful. Amen? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's worthy.